revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Welcome to Medicine on Call. This morning, I, I'm really honored to have a really good friend on, Dr. Vanapali, John Apali, sorry. Um, he's a gastroenterologist in Texas, I guess in a Houston suburb, I think. And what I wanted to have Dr. John Apali on for is to give us another view of what's going on or what could be going on in the healthcare space. I think the Congress or I think new rules and regulations have been passed yesterday. I, I still have to get through them. But we're now in a position where the free market and independent thought and independent practice can actually take off and thrive. And it's been years now since physicians have been under siege. And our mindset, it's those of us who can peek our head out and see the, the future. Um, we have to bring the rest of our, our brothers and sisters with us because we've been beaten down, we've been demonized, we've been demoralized. And I think we're in a position now where the pendulum is gone as far as it can go. And it's time to start swinging back. So what I wanted to talk about today, Venu, is the fact that you, you're such a positive person. And I love that about you because you don't see the bad, you see the good in things. And the, the, the mindset of paying something forward is, is, it's Christian, it's what we should be doing with our, in our society. But you've actually taken this and applied it to the healthcare system. So I wanted to get your, pick your brain and have people start to think outside the box and let them know exactly how they can ex- access this, because this is the future of medicine. This is not about being sick. It's about being healthy. It's about being able to know your body. And if you don't, find a practitioner who can help you learn about how to stay healthy. And we're out here. And you're a gastroenterologist by training. So it's not just family practice anymore. It's the specialists who are jumping in both feet in the system. So, Venu, thank you so much for getting up early and, you know, waiting for to see your patients to come on the show today. Thank you so much. Well, it's a pleasure, Elena. And um, it has very kind words that you have to say about, about me. I have to throw it back to you and say that... Uh, you know, part of my path has really been an inspiration from you. When I first met you at the Let My Doctor Practice Summit, Summit uh, a little over two years ago and heard you speak and just the energy that you put out there in terms of uh, thinking outside the box, changing the rules of the, of the, of the healthcare game, so to speak, and, uh, you know, just the modeling that you did, it gave me the courage, actually, to make the, the changes that I was seeking to make internally, but I just, you know, I needed a kick to, to make it happen. And so I, I thank you for, for giving me the inspiration to do that. Well, it's, it's just such a nice, it was wonderful to go to let my doctor practice because you knew now that you weren't alone. There were all of these like minds who just needed a place to vent and a place to organize. And I mean, I'm honored that I had anything to do with your, um, your genesis here. <laughs> 
<laughs> you sure did. And uh, yeah, it's like a rabbit hole. Like once you once you go down the hole, there's no turning back. No, there isn't. Once you know what the truth is, you really can't. And you you created you a space not only within. Well, I want to talk about how you how you've applied this to your practice because gastroenterology is probably one of the things that most of us are going to have to touch in our lifestyle, in our lifespan, because the GI tract is so integral to everything, our immune system and our overall health. So at some point, someone's going to have an issue, they need to see you. But you don't approach um, the GI tract health in the same manner as your colleagues, do you? Well, you know, as an ENT physician, and I'm glad you see that way, I'm glad you're giving us props, because I do believe the gut is the center of the universe. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I find GI and ENT actually to be similar in many respects. And so, you know, one of the things that um, really led me down this path was when I got out of, I trained at, uh, at Baylor College of Medicine here in Houston, so I got very well trained in traditional uh, gastroenterology, uh, very comfortable seeing uh, all kinds of uh, uh, diseases, acute illnesses, and we get you know we get very well trained in that. Mm-hmm. As I got into private pa- practice, and I you know I went out into my own practice uh, from day one, um, I just became increasingly disillusioned about what it is that I was actually doing. Um, you know, for example, in, in GI, a lot of things in in, in GI uh, in terms of how people feel uh, with regard to the gut. You can't really see. So, I mean, you can do all kinds of tests. You can do upper endoscopies, lower endoscopies, CT scans, MRIs, and, and you're never going to actually see what people are feeling. So, in the world of GI, we call those functional uh, disorders, and um, we don't have very good things to do for that, mm-hmm. I mean, at least not traditionally. So I started to really get curious and inquire into what, I mean, when somebody comes to see me with these types of situations, you know, what is it that modern medicine has to offer? Is there something more that we can offer than what we're currently offering? And if I don't have that knowledge, then, you know, where do I go? How do I, how do I learn that? How do I become a student in that? So that's really what started me down the path of just beginning to kind of think outside the box being independent, having a curious mind, which I, you know, which I've always valued about my own path, uh, you know, in med- in the world of medicine and beyond medicine, and really that's how it began, and that's how it continues in in many ways. And you know, I know that you you practice a form of of, of ENT that's that's holistic in nature, and I I certainly uh, value that type of care, and really. You know, I, you have you have to start asking yourself. At least I did. I mean, what are we doing? Like, is it are we doing health care? Is are we doing sick care? So, mm-hmm. is is health just about sick care? I don't think so. Not at all. And I think that's what our the system is is driving us towards. If you're in it, it's all about algorithms and medication and one size fits all. And there's this disdain for. Anybody who decides, I want to take a step back and, and fix the problem instead of medicating the, the symptom. And there's been a, they've cleaned out a lot of doctors who, who believe that. You know, they've been demonized. They've been removed from practice. It's not appropriate. I think that 
it's all about choice. If you want to have a pill to fix everything, then you should be allowed to do that. But if you want to take a different path as a physician, as a patient, then that should be encouraged. I would think that anybody who's worried about health care costs should be thrilled when a doctor like yourself or myself who thinks, let's fix the, this problem from a physiologic point, from a biological cellular standpoint, and you don't need the medication, you don't need the surgery, what's wrong with that? Why would people be against that? Except you have to you know, use the motto, who stands to gain and follow the money? And that's where it all comes down to, isn't it? Yeah, and I, you know, choice is a lot of what this is about. I mean, I, uh, I, I have one bad review out there in the uh, in the ether, um, and it was a, it was a guy who came to see me, uh, as a young guy, and he he had reflux, and uh, he wrote in his review. You know, I talked to the doctor for about an hour about my issue, and. Uh, you know, all I really needed was to go to Costco and get myself some Prilosec. Wow. And so, so, you know, I, it hurt to get that bad review among many good reviews <laughs> I've had. But I, but I thought about it and I thought, okay, well, maybe this is an opportunity to really clarify for, for everybody, you know, what, what I represent, what I want to represent. So what I said in response to that, I said, look, everybody has a choice. I mean, you can choose, if you have reflux, you can choose to take something like Prilosec indefinitely, um, you could choose that. A lot of people do. Um, you know, I, I think there's another option, and I, I'm going to put that forward. And if that, if that doesn't feel right to you, there's plenty of other gastroenterologists who will do what you want to do. So, so it's, you know, everybody has the, the freedom to make that choice for themselves. And as a guy who has reflux myself and suffered really from it, I mean, I have to walk my walk. If, I, if I'm not going to take Prilosec indefinitely... For, for all the reasons I know not to do it, well then, you know, why, sh- why should I keep that understanding and knowledge away from the patients that I take care of? I mean, I, I feel like they need to know about that. You are absolutely right. And I think if you really ask the doctors who have an integrative approach to their practice, there's a personal story that pushes them in, you know, into that mindset, especially if they're not DOs, because I think they're trained in a way that is more integrative than we are as MDs. But it's a personal story. My mom was ill. She had cancer. She had to go through chemo. So we learned about juicing and about repleting her her vitamin status. And she got she went through chemo without any problem, didn't lose weight. Everything was pretty much amazing through that process, and she recovered pretty completely. And it opened my eyes to there's more than one way to do this. And even when she down the road had problems with her her mood and the fact that she was anxious and depressed, it was all pretty much tumor-related and surgery-related. When we started to replete that, we did a a vitamin, I guess we went to a physician actually out in in Texas who created this vitamin mix for her, and it was a drink, and she was, was amazing. No more sundowning, no more angry outbursts, having cogent conversations. It was impressive, and that really opened my eyes to... There's got to be something going on. Well, first of all, I know the body can heal itself. And what we do is suppress the ability for it to do it most of the time. Let's take a step back and see if we can put the body or the patient's body in, a, in the 
proper position so that the body can actually do what it's supposed to do. Get out of the way, basically, and let the body heal. And it's been a revelation. I mean, taking people off of, for us, reflux and ENT is a big thing, too. Probably one of the top three diagnoses that are made because the reflux comes up into the throat, can affect mm-hmm. the ear, the sinuses, the voice box, even the, the the breath, you know, your respiration. So people can think they're having a heart attack and it's actually reflux. So we actually cross in a lot of ways in our two specialties. But being able to do a natural approach, not just diet, but things like digestive enzymes and probiotics and apple cider vinegar, things that alkalinize the system. It's been amazing how many people leave the medication pathway, can, can still eat what they like, but they're not suffering, and they're clinically better. When you scope them, you don't see the burn, you don't see the swelling. I mean, people are actually looking for that now. Are you finding that patients are literally coming to you now because you offer an integrative approach? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it's part... It, 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 a lot of it has to do with the fact that such patients are feeling like they're not getting the complete care that they want um, in the traditional system. So they, you know, people are going to seek alternative things if they're not getting what they feel like they deserve in in the traditional way. And let's be clear. I mean, we're not we're not here to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got trained very well in the, in the conventional world. So did I. And so, you know, for me, it's like it's one medicine. It's not like it's alternative medicine here and conventional medicine there. Good it's just point. like what is what is what is one medicine that's going to help us regardless of where it's coming from. The bottom line is what what are the things that we can do and practice that'll help us heal. So so you know when you have that kind of flexibility and adaptability and freedom, you start to explore all different avenues um, of medicine. You don't throw away everything that, that the modern medicine has to offer. It has, it, it has a lot to offer. And we do that we, every day. We see that every day. And at the same time, there are traditions that are, that are there that have been well-established that offer uh, other forms of medicine that, uh, that, that go a long way to address some of these issues that, that these conventional forms of diagnostics and, and management options don't really hit. And you mentioned something earlier that really started to uh, get me opened up to more things in the world of healthcare, which is like, what's driving all this? Mm-hmm. And where, where, where is all this coming from in terms of where, where we're entrenched today? And what you realize is that there is this big medical, industrial, academic complex that drives a lot of the stuff that we do. Uh, and it goes all the way back to when we started training in medical school. So, you know, it's like we are so trained to think in a certain way, uh, and, and there are these undercurrents that has us trained in that way, that, that when we're going through that training, we're often not aware about. So I think we have, to, we, we, we have to take an active role in trying to uncover those things, learn those undercurrents, and, and really kind of see how the pieces are moving. I think that's a wonderful point, and let's take a break and explore that further when we come back. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're having a really fun conversation and an interesting one with Dr. Venu Genapali. He's the co-founder of a movement called Health 3.0, and he's the president of the United Physicians and Surgeons of America, in addition to being an independent 
gastroenterologist. Now, Vena, before the break, you made a really important connection, I think, between the med- I love the medical academic industrial complex because they really do run the show. And the training of our, our future physicians, the implementation of our healthcare system is being run in a way that is corporatized, centralized, and it's become kind of totalitarian, if you really want to think about it. They're using peer review against physicians who want to be independent. They want they have a differential payment system for independent doctors versus those who are employed by the hospital. I mean, the list is that you've got maintenance of certification. You've got all these things that are trying to put a yoke on us and trying to muzzle us in terms of what we can say for, to our patients. And your method is is removing that yoke and going out and being doing what you were, were put on this earth to do, which is to be an advocate for your patient, to be a teacher, to be an innovator. I mean, you must now have reached a point, I hope, where the joy of medicine is really what you experience. Every day when you get up, you're not feeling some kind of way like some of my colleagues. I'm sure you're loving what you do. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an ongoing, evolving work in progress. And so I think, uh, you know, we're all on a journey. That's uh, what I strongly believe. And so I, I'm on a journey to uh, rediscover the joy in medicine. Uh, you know, it all comes down to the patient-doctor relationship, and that's the crux of the whole thing. And, um, you know, that inside of that relationship is trust. And on the inside of that trust is nothing other than love. And, uh, you know, I, and I don't, I, I use that word specifically, love, because it's, you know, I'm not trying to invoke some kind of touchy-feely, new-agey thing. This is real. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, you mentioned something before about how this, this gets personal. And so, you know, I had two parents who went through some really, really quick, abrupt, acute, very serious illnesses. I wasn't even sure if my mom was going to make it from hers. And when she was in the hospital, she had some amazing care in many ways. Uh, but also, she also had uh, care that was lacking. And what was lacking was ultimately love. It was, the, And by love, I, I mean connection. I mean being seen and, 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 and hearing and being heard. And, and when that doesn't happen in a healthcare system, you feel it. You feel it as a patient. You feel it as a family member. And so why? Why, why does that happen? What's leading to that lack of that flow in that connection? It's all about connecting for me. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that it, that's happened is, as you said, it's the consolidation of our healthcare system. It's the commoditization of, of us patients. Uh, it's the the triaging. It's the packaging. It's you know getting people in and out so that you don't really cultivate connection. And and I think at the core, that's what that's what people want. That's what doctors want too. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the reasons that doctors uh, are burning out is because is because we don't feel the connection. So it, it, it's on both sides. Patients don't feel connection. Doctors don't feel connection. And so if you are setting up a healthcare system that is increasingly making that level of deep connection bereft. I mean, you, you're like you, you're going wrong completely. Yeah. Because that's at the heart of the whole thing. That's the foundation that holds the whole thing up. And so, a lot of what we talk about in the Health 3.0 framework is really about how to renew that connection for our modern age. 
Well, it starts with time, doesn't it? You just mentioned that the, that crazy review that you got after spending an hour. That was the thing that stuck out to me. You spend an hour with that patient, I'm sure, explaining, listening to their history, explaining your differential diagnosis, taking the time to answer questions. The average doctor visit is, what, seven minutes now? I mean, that patient got a goldmine you know, visit in terms of your time and your expertise and your caring. And that's what patient, you know, it's all, you're right, it's about love. You have to love yourself as a physician, and you have to love yourself as a patient. If you're in a position where someone's giving you a cold response, not answering your question, poo-pooing your, your questions and you know, treating you like next, then you need to find another physician. I've said this for years on my show. If you're not happy, why are you taking it? I mean, as if I decided not to, you decided not to, and hopefully more of our colleagues are waking up to the fact that they don't have to be chattel and grist for a mill, that they can do them, do their own thing. Maybe patients need to also start to figure that out too, huh? Yeah, yeah, Lena. I'm glad you're highlighting this because it's a two-way street. It's not completely up to the physician alone. It's also up to uh, our patients. I'll give you an example of this. This just happened yesterday, actually. I had a I have a patient who has ulcerative colitis who comes down from Dallas to see me. I'm in Houston. We have, we have, we have had an ongoing uh, connection. Uh, she's not doing well. She needs a colonoscopy. Uh, so we're getting that arranged. She, she goes through her insurance, Aetna, to get it all arranged. I'm not, now I'm not in any networks anymore. Two years ago, inspired by you, I came out of all insurance <laughs> networks. So, Congrats. So I'm, just, I, I'm, a, I'm a rogue, if you will. <laughs> uh, so I'm an independent guy. So she, she made sure everything was settled. She got a referral from her, from her physician. And, you know, I'm supposed to do this case today, literally. So, the, you know, just at the 11th hour yesterday, we find out none of this stuff is actually approved anymore what? because I'm not in network. Oh. So she's getting on the phone. I got on the phone for a couple of hours talking to Edna. She then independently gets on the phone and talks to them, tries to figure out what's going on. She, she asked me if I wanted to be on a three-way call with, with them, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I want to have at it with them. Probably not something that's very common for them to see, a no. patient and a doctor no. going tag team on it. I love it. But that's what we did yesterday. And, uh, you know, it got to the point where it just became surreal. Like, like you know, because I'm not in network, I'm essentially persona non grata to them. And... Uh, you know, it's like it's like I'm talking to one of these representatives, and it, you know, she's like Gandalf, and I'm like the Balrog. She's basically <laughs> telling me, "You shall not pass," because I'm trying to talk to. The, I, I asked her at some point, "I'd like to talk to the medical director about the about the clinicals, which is what she wanted." Mm-hmm. And she's not a doctor. She's just she's mm-hmm. she's a representative. She's doing her job, granted, but I wanted to talk about the clinicals to the medical director. She wouldn't. She didn't. She wouldn't let me do it. She said it was policy, and because I wasn't a participating provider, I didn't. I, I wasn't able to talk to the medical director. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It I was like, "What is? What does me not being a, a participating provider have to do with me not being able to talk to your medical director?" So, 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 you know, in the end, we 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 dropped the whole thing. I, I'm I'm a partner of this uh, wonderful organization called Colonoscopy Assist, which is a nonprofit. It allows for folks who have either have no insurance or are underinsured, which you know kind of applies to this case, to be able to do a colonoscopy outside of the insurance system, bundled for one flat fee 
which includes everything, all the components of a colonoscopy. So we decided to go that route after we talked it over, uh, me and the patient. So, you know, this is just an example of this complex that really dictates the show. Mm-hmm. Now, the patient took the initiative, along with my help, to come up with a different way to get around this. And that's what we need. We, we need your help. For all the patients that are listening out there, we need your help to demand something that you deserve. You don't deserve what Aetna is doing to you in that instance, right? No. You deserve something better than that. Wow. I, you know, I just want to let you know that you're not alone. This is happening to me now, with, and I'm an in-network physician. <laughs> and what I had, my didn't speak with the medical director either, but my call was, my appeal was for peer-to-peer you know, review of the clinical information. Now, meanwhile, it's a sinus case. The patient has a CT scan which shows sinus disease, but on, from their guidelines, it's not going to be covered. The patient's in pain. The patient hasn't worked since May, the early May, and they're, they're in pain. Their livelihood is being affected. So now I have to take it to this peer review. Guess who my peer was? A pediatrician. It's not even a surgeon. So the pediatrician gets on and says, well, I'm, there's nothing I can do. I'm bound by the guidelines. You have to have another upper, you know, take another level review. It's ridiculous. Why are you calling it a peer-to-peer when it's not even within your scope of practice? This is the games that they play. And they're hoping that we get tired and go away. But they picked the wrong person for that. So <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they did pick I'm the wrong I'm loaded for bear from my next level up. I mean, I'm taking this all the way. If I have to go and get some legislation on this, this is – they're practicing medicine without a license. They're doing things that are out – that are against regulations. But as physicians, we don't know what, what the rules are. If you don't know what the rules are, you cannot beat them because they – they know that we don't know them, and they just play games with us. If you send for a pre-certification in a network, in-network physician, they have to give you an answer if it's urgent within 72 hours. So we need to start making sure that we, as physicians, advocate that for our patients. We need to play the game better than they do, and when they, when they go afoul of it, you get the legislators involved because you can actually get paid for them going against their own rules. We have to play hardball. We can't be nice with them. <laughs> you know, we can't hope that they'll just have mercy on us and, and help our patient. That's not what they're there for, is it? No, I mean, it, and it is. It, it is actually an attrition. It's an attrition game. Mm-hmm. They're, they're looking to use attrition to have you back off, right? And, you know, we actually made it to a point where I felt like this was going to be all approved, even though I was, you know, uh, not in their club. But... They were going to take 15 days to, to, to get yep. the approval. Yep. Me- meanwhile, like, I have the case scheduled today. And I was like, well, we don't have 15 days. I really need to do this, to do this to, urgently. And she asked me, well, is it life-threatening? And at that point, I was like, well, let me talk to your medical director about that. I mean, I, that's who I want to talk to as a peer-to-peer. Mm-hmm. Nope. You know, I'm not part of the clique. So I, I, policy guidelines do not allow for that. You know, and it's like... Whenever somebody says policy guidelines, you know, that's when, like, my blood begins to boil. I know. Because, because, you, because these policy guidelines, people hide behind policy guidelines all day long so that they could play the game of attrition and have you back off. Very true. And really, that's not, that's not our duty. Our duty as physicians is to be the patient's advocate. 
I couldn't have said it better. On that note, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. Before the break, I think we were giving our my listeners a real flavor of the battle that goes on behind the scenes. It's this, this is something that patients actually need to get involved with and 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 know about so that we can align and work together against this system. They're doing they've done an excellent job at divide and conquer. Because they've put doctors in the position of being the problem, the, the cost of health care. The reason that um, uh, you're not getting the procedure done is because your doctor did something or your doctor's at fault. It's all us, and we've just taken it. And we really, I love the three-way call. That's an excellent weapon to use because when they can't triangulate when you're on the call with the patient at the same time. That's powerful. I love that. We do that in our office as well. And... We have, this is a, a monolithic system. It's very powerful, but it can't work without us. This is the key. This is, I think, the major key. They can do whatever they want. They can do AI. They can do uh, extension of scope of practice for mid-level providers, all that stuff. But ultimately, the doctors have to be involved. It doesn't run without us because we have, we're the, the foundation of the healthcare system. Once we really realize our power and our, the, the the power we have to, to stop this process, then we start winning. I mean, I have a question. In your community, the other gastroenterologists who are more conventional, how do they, how do they perceive your practice? Are they, do they ask you how you're doing it? You know, you're third party free. That's pretty major for a, G, a gastroenterologist. Are they trying to fight it? I mean, what are they doing in terms of your livelihood and how you reach out to your colleagues. Yeah, that, that's an interesting question, Elena. Um, I think it depends on the person. I think I think some people are looking to me uh, as a source of uh, hope. Uh, some people are looking to me as a crazy dude. Some people are looking at me as somebody as somebody who might pave a path that then they can follow. Uh, you know, they, they have their own, 
uh, inquiries and their own explorations about what's possible, but they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily in a position where they can move on it mm-hmm. and act on it. And, you know, we're, you know, as, as doctors, we tend to be kind of a conservative lot, you know? I mean, we just, we, we kind of go with the status quo. Uh, we don't want to ruffle any feathers. And, uh, you know, we, we, we lead a certain life of comfort in some ways, and yet we still have our struggles, but we don't, you know, we oftentimes don't take the action, take the initiative to take that leap. Um, and it's a leap. I mean, it's, uh, you know, this has not come without uh, short-term uh, struggles, uh, to be honest. And so, uh, you know, when I did this, when I came out of insurance, insurance networks and I went to a flat fee pricing system, um, I had referring physicians, referring primary care physicians who valued the work that I did, the, the kind of care that I provided for their patients, uh, even, though, even though I prepped them on it and talked to them about it, I had those referring physicians no longer refer patients to me. At, at not, at, not to fault them. It's just that, you know, you were talking about seven minutes per patient, right? Mm-hmm. So they're living in that system. So they've got seven minutes, you know, half of which is they're trying to do their job. And then in the next two minutes, you know, if they need to refer to GI... Like they have to explain. Well, there's Dr. Joe Apolli, and he, he, you know, he doesn't take insurance, but he has a flat pricing system, and he's very good and very fair. They don't have the time to do it. So for them, it's just easier to go along with the system and refer to somebody who's still in the system. And so, you know, part of my job has been to really like bridge the learning curve for for all of the people who are involved in our in our healthcare, including the patients, including. Uh, the, the the referring physicians, including my colleagues, to, to to really kind of bridge the gap, and it's something that I chose. I chose this path. I, I chose to lead. I wanted to lead on this because, I mean, it was a choiceless choice for me. Like I couldn't stay with the same system. I, I couldn't I couldn't do what I wanted to do and 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 feel fulfilled in the existing system. Well, I I really I respect that. You have no idea. I feel the same way. And now it's not, it's gotten easier, I would think. I mean, you have a cohort of patients who have huge deductibles who are now looking for value. So are you seeing those patients start to flood the practice? Because, you know, you wait for six months for something that's going to cost you five or six times more, and you go and you can go tomorrow and get, know what the price is up front. There's transparency. There's quality of care. There's old school medicine where you get to know your doctor and talk with them. Are you seeing the patients who are looking specifically for that now? Yeah, I am absolutely, and it, and it, and it's you know the market is driving it in many ways. Patients are having increased deductibles. More of the risk is being transferred to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like just concrete case in point, if you have a if you need a colonoscopy, uh, and you have let's say a four thousand dollar deductible, well, if you go through. Through the traditional system, if you have insurance, you go through that. I mean, in Houston, a colonoscopy on average with all of the parts to it is going to run you north of $2,000, sometimes up to $4,000. So you that's all coming out of your pocket. Right. Now, if I go through something like colonoscopy assist, you know, that's 1075 right? So it's just, I mean, that's just, you know, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, that's what people are feeling. So, you know, when they have a choice like that, um, they 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 try to find different options, and and that's why I think you know this is really this is really the opportunity. I mean, I I see this as a movement. Uh, there are battles to be had, to be sure, but I think 
beyond the battle, beyond the you know the the weapons, this is an opportunity. It's really an opportunity to to revolutionize a movement, and this is where I think again. The power of us as physicians, we have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. No matter what people say or, or, or put up as an illusion, we have a lot of power because we're connected to the patients. We're connected to the people. We're connected to our community of, of people, and, and that's where we draw our power. And so together, the patients and their physicians, we together have a lot of power to actually initiate this level of change as a movement. And it comes from the ground up. That's where it's going to happen. It's going to happen in a, in a, in a bottom-up approach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's where politics changes. Politics follows culture. It's not the other way around. So when people demand something better for themselves and together with their physicians, they, they, they put that out there, uh, people listen up. Because that's the power that we have. Oh, I absolutely agree. You're you're preaching to the choir on this one. I mean, ultimately, if the patient knows or has knowledge that I can get a procedure or an office visit or see a doctor for a, a fraction of what it costs, or basically, I'll know what it costs, number one, and two, it's much cheaper than using my insurance plan, that creates a consumer mindset. And then for those people who, who are savvy, they're going to start seeking alternative, you know, entrances into the healthcare system. When they have their good re- review or, or good experience, they tell their loved ones and their friends. And you're right, it is going to be a groundswell. And it has to be quality, and like it, it already is. It's quality, it's access, it's convenience, it's... I think is a different standard of healthcare. Frankly, the level yeah, of healthcare I mean, is different. It's yeah, better. I mean, the, the premise that the medical industrial complex puts before us is that you need this health insurance mm-hmm. because health because otherwise you're not going to get the healthcare. You're not going to have access to healthcare. Exactly. Well, folks, I mean, healthcare does not need to cost what it costs. You can have <laughs> you can have healthcare and take care of your health in many different ways that even go beyond me and you. Exactly. So 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 w- when you start to question that premise, it starts to make the whole idea of you need this amount of health insurance, so you need to get access to this. It, it, it starts to make that whole thing fall apart. Healthcare does not have to cost what it costs. A colonoscopy doesn't need to cost four thousand dollars. It's ridiculous. Agreed. A tonsillectomy doesn't need to cost nine or ten. Uh, you know, but once you actually put that out there, and this is why having you on the show is so. It's so empowering because you're doing it. You're a specialist who've gone third-party free, not primary care, so you have procedures that you do, and you're able to, to thrive, to offer services, to actually make a difference in your community, and you're not just talking about it. If, let's say, 1% of doctors across the country did what, we, what you're doing, that would be a huge dent in the, 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 the fog of this healthcare debate. Anybody who's talking single payer never talks about the insurance companies and how they're jacking up the price and how the PBMs are an issue. They don't talk about the drivers. They just talk about the endpoint, which is ultimately to drive more people into that system. That's the 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 <laughs> it's just ma- it's maddening that they don't 
want to fix the cost drivers. They just want more people to pay for it, and they want to put more people on the hook to help people pay for it. It's silly. And then if, you're, if you have a question, you're a bad person. But this is how the whole system operates. It's demonization. It's emotion-driven. And I, that's what I love about dealing with things from a position of, of love and a position of power as opposed to a position of fear. I mean, it's, it's scary to open up your practice by yourself. It's scary to go outside of the third-party practice. But the reason that you did it was a positive reason. That's the, that's the difference, and I believe that's why you're thriving. And once people get to that mindset, I think that's going to be a tra you know, universal transformation, that nothing's driven by fear. It's all driven by, how can I give back? How can I help my neighbor? How can I help myself? There's nothing wrong with, they don't have to be mutually exclusive, do they? No, absolutely not. I mean, I mean, for me, you know, again, why did I do this? What, what's driving this? It, you know, it's it's personal. It's it's a highly personal thing. You know, in 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 making these changes, it's a form of giving for me. And in giving, I receive in return. Such that it, you don't you don't know who's giving and re who's receiving. I mean, that's the ideal. Uh, feeling of connection. There, there's no more giver and receiver. It's all it's all just one smooth flow. And so, and so, to our fellow physician colleagues who are, you know, at the perhaps the pivot point, what what I would encourage people to do, like, like I did, you know, I, I had the same fears, I had the same struggles. You know, how can I do this? Is this viable? Can I sustain myself uh, as a subspecialist? You know, not even a primary care physician, which many people are doing around the country. Mm -hmm. We know many of them, Elena, you and I. Mm -hmm. But as a subspecialist, is this even possible? You know, like what's the financial model whereby, uh, uh, you know, I can look after myself and my family? I'm here to say it is possible. But what it does take, though, is, is a certain level of curiosity, it takes a certain level of opening up in your own inner self to, like, what's my path? Like, where where is my inner journey heading? Because that's what manifests itself in the external world, and and then and then you know you start to do different things, mm -hmm. and then and you know hopefully you will look around at fellow peers who are who are you know paving the path and 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 getting courage you know like you did for me Elena and and getting the courage to say okay like there is an alternative option i don't have to go with this this status quo i i can actually start to experiment things and i can take my time to do it i mean i went all in in terms of what i did but you don't have to do that you can you can take it at your own pace and start to 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 nibble away i would say to again to our fellow uh, physician colleagues that like this is actually like I would, I would put forward that you almost have to do this because if you don't do this, like not only are you potentially shortchanging uh, your your patients, you're also shortchanging yourself. That, that void that you might be feeling, you, you you might be feeling that because you're actually not connected in a, in, a, in a in a deeper way to what you really want deep down. I couldn't have said that any plainer and I want everybody to digest that let's take a break you're listening to Medicine on Call welcome back to Medicine on Call we're speaking with Dr. Janapali co-founder of a movement called Janapali Janapali sorry Janapali I apologize no, no worries. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's not easy. Apologies. Um, the co-founder of a movement called Health 3.0 and the president of the United Physicians and Surgeons of America. And Venu, before, I definitely want people to know how they can access your websites and and reach out to you. Sure. So uh, I'm, I'm in the space in different ways. Um, I have a website called conscious-medicine.com where I've been blogging for a while about various topics related to healthcare, um, uh, which is uh, where I introduced Health 3.0. Um, I also have a website that's actually dedicated to Health 3.0. It's actually health 3 .org, and, the, and the three is spelled out, T-H-R-E-E. Um, and so either of those sites are, are places that people can learn more about what this Health 3.0 framework is all about. Um, and I have my local website for those who um, are in the vicinity, uh, which is IGCMed, IGCMed.com. Well, you know, one of the things that, you, that really struck me before the break is there's it's a paradigm shift. The system that we're living in now is built on lack. It's built on you know, lack of resources, lack of medication, lack of doctors. It's all about driving people by coercion almost into a, a sinkhole that, that they can be controlled. Mm -hmm. And the system that you're describing is about abundance. Mm -hmm. You know, and there is unlimited, an unlimited amount of whatever, when you think about it as abundance, right? Love is abundant. There's your time is abundant. Your ability to care for your patients and, and advocate for them and be a partner in their care is abundant. That's different. That's a whole different mindset than rationing. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it, there, there's a big shift that occurs when you see something from a place of lack to a place of abundance. Mm -hmm. And so all these debates that we have in healthcare, you're right, oftentimes, like the vast majority of the times, they, they are debates that occur from a, a, a place of lack. And you and I just don't see it that way. We, we, we're coming from a place of abundance. I mean, that's why I say, like, healthcare doesn't have to cost what it costs. Sure. Everybody can have access to healthcare uh, uh, in different ways. I mean, I fully believe that. I mean, I, I, you know, I practice it in my own practice these days. I'm doing a pay-it-forward model now uh, where I, I see a patient in the office, and I, at the end of that visit, I tell them, look, this visit's been paid for by somebody before you. And you have that same opportunity to pay it forward for the next person that I see. So, you know, in that way, I, I, I look to connect the patient that I've just seen to the next person that I see. And, it, and it's, working, it's working well in my, in my little micro experiment. And so, you know, that allows me to perhaps see somebody who may not have the financial means to, 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 to pay me at that moment, mm -hmm. but they're going to pay it forward in some other way. And so these are, the, these are the kinds of creative things that you can do when you come from a place of abundance. And, and you know, that, and that's, a, that's a practice. I mean, it's not, it's not like I'm not, I, don't, I haven't cornered the, the understanding of abundance, but it's a practice. It's like a daily practice that I do. How can I operate in this system and actually shift the paradigm with a foundation of abundance rather than lack. And when you do that, like everything changes. Like the, the, the conversations that you have change. The, the, 
the hang-ups that you have change, the obstacles can fall away, policy begins to change. A lot of things begin to change when you see it, it, it from that perspective, and you actually see opportunities uh, in health and health care rather than, you know, the same old debates. Man, that is so true. I wish that you could get that message out to the legislative um branch and in, in, you know, government because they, yeah. they don't Probably operate easier on that. said than done, but, but <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I think you are doing it. Lead by example. It's put your time, your money, your, your expertise where your mouth is, and that's exactly what you're doing. And right. it's, I'm intrigued by that pay it forward model. How'd you come up with that? I actually got inspired by an organization called Service Space, and they've been at it in terms of this pay-it-forward model or gift ecology, as they like to call it as well. They've been at it for 20 years. And, you know, they, they I wanted to apply it to healthcare. Uh, I got inspired specifically on this micro-experiment by an experiment they started running called Karma Kitchen, where they take over this restaurant, it's, and then they all the volunteers run it for that day, mm-hmm. and at the end of the and people come in like they usually do, and at the end of the meal they they pass over a receipt and has a zero on it, and they tell them this visit this meal's been paid for for by somebody before you, and when you leave out that door, you, you there's a box over there, and, and and we would like you to take the opportunity to pay it forward for the next person who wants a meal. And so they just ran this as an experiment. Like, this was not a Harvard business model. <laughs> you know, if you put it before them, they probably think, oh, nobody's going to do that. People are selfish. They're going to they're freeload off of this. Well, they started this experiment about, I think, 10 years ago, and it's still running. And now it's in multiple cities around the world. That's amazing. It's, you know, when you think about people, the best in people, as opposed to the worst in people, that changes the whole structure. We're not evil, you know, it's people really want to help people. I think this is what I've learned in my, you know, journey of getting older, is that we all want the same things. If we treat each other the way we want to be yeah. treated, it really is not that hard. And communication right. and listening and empathy. If you can put yourself in a position, and both you and I know on a healthcare point of view, having loved ones who've been in a system where they weren't treated well, I am mm-hmm. hyper empathetic now. I was always, mm-hmm. but I'm really, really. Everybody's my mom and my dad when you know, they come in that office and they're senior. So I, I totally get it. If everybody could just do that instead of the victim side, if someone did something right. to me, so I need to do something back to them, this is not, that's not a normal mentality. You have to be, that has to be cultivated. Why can't we just go back to where we want, what everybody really is, which is, I just want to be left alone. I want to be able to pursue my happiness. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. We just live and let live. I think that's more of what, what's aligned in our natural um, you know, way of being. Do you? Yeah, and, I, and I'll add to that. Like, I want to connect. Yeah. Right? Like, the energy that you create. When I, I volunteered at this place um, a couple months ago, the energy that's there in that restaurant is like no other energy. And and and, that, and I decided like I want to can I recreate that energy in in the healthcare space, and when you and when you create that energy when you cultivate that energy, I mean this is like you know we're talking about this if this is this this is innovative. Mm-hmm. I mean this is ages old. This is a Christian <laughs> concept. This is the concept of you know how do I honor my neighbor? How do I how do I connect with my community members? I have a skill set that I got trained to do. Everybody has a unique skill set. Agreed. That, that they can offer. They can offer to each other. 
And so that, that's what I mean when I say love. It's like, it's just that understanding that, you know, we're connected in, in a very deep way. And, you know, how can we actually renew that in our own, you know, circle of intimacy? I mean, how, how, do we actually, how do we actually connect to each other? And how do we bring our unique skills to bear, pass along our unique gifts uh, for, for these unique needs that are out there? And that, that's, that's what this is at its essence. I think it's 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 a healing mentality. That's how you heal yourself and others. And we don't need the government to legislate that. We can do that on our own, which you are no, prime example right. of. And I think once that power, that energy gets out there, people know that it exists, that's what they'll gravitate towards. They're not going to gravitate towards an AI machine. You put your finger in, that gives you a, you know, a prescription, it pops out. Most people are going to want a connection with a human being. But with a human being that respects them, that actually works with them, it's not about this cold algorithm-driven medicine. It's about us working together to get you healthy in the manner that's more, that works for you in an individual standpoint. I'm going to give you the tools. We're going to work together to get to the, the answer to the problem. And it's going to be done in, a, in an environment of, of, I should say, warmth, of abundance, of positive energy. I couldn't agree more. We, we can self-organize on this. We don't need some bureaucratic uh, wonk to, to, to have this happen. It's already happening in other fields and other mm-hmm. domains. This is about self... This is how life works. It, life organizes. It self-organizes. And, and, and life begets life. And, and when we do that, when we see that power within us... And we self-organize, and it's, it's decentralized, but then we learn from each other in a very uh, 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 collaborative way. Policy does grease the wheels on this, to be sure. But I, but I think that ultimately, you know, this is a path of uh, using our power in our unique ways to self-organize and, and come up with something that where, where the whole becomes greater than the sum of the parts. You can't legislate this. You can't write this up in any kind of algorithmic way. It's not the way healthcare works. Healthcare is unique. Healthcare is one-to-one. There are some things that cannot be scaled. You can scale models. You can scale ideas. But when I sit down with a patient and I'm going over their unique situation, and they're dealing with me as a unique human being, that is not something that can be scaled, and it shouldn't be scaled. I can't say anything else except thank you, Venu, for coming on the show and and educating us, and I can't wait to have you back on. It's been a pleasure, Elena. Always a delight to talk to you. Thank you, and thank you for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.